0: Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we help growing manufacturers improve their people, process, and planning systems so they can scale smarter and faster. Joining me today from Chicago is Julie Bromstetter. Julie describes herself as the energizing coach, and you'll soon find out why. She's a certified professional coach whose passion is helping child-free female leaders who are feeling overwhelmed and searching for relief and joy find personal and professional sense of balance. Julie has 15 years of corporate experience starting her career in advertising as an account manager and transitioning into HR as a leader, executive coach, and mentor in both the entertainment and advertising industries. Welcome Julie.
1: Thank you so much Mike. I'm excited to be here.
0: Julie this the energizing coach (laughs) I I suspect it's a client that probably came up with that. What is it about you that's energizing?
1: You know honestly Mike it's one of my superpowers and I used to think that it was something that held me back. It, Mm -hmm. It used to be something that I was really mindful of like In meetings, I never wanted to come across as too enthusiastic or spastic or maybe over caffeinated, if you will. And so (laughs) I used to see it as as a barrier. And now I've truly embraced it as my superpower. And believe me, no caffeine over here. You'll never see me. You don't want to see me (laughs) having any caffeine. But yeah, it's just it's in my DNA. And I find that the clients that want to work with me are really attracted. It's like energy attracts like energy. They're looking for that type of energy in their life.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you have come to embrace it as a superpower. <laughs> you know, when I was reading your bio, I had to kind of chuckle to myself. Uh, you came out of an HR background Mm -hmm. and you may or may not know that's my corporate uh, background something about hr we will probably come back to hr here (laughs) uh, as we have this conversation yeah you have been in an industry of entertainment and advertising you've been in leadership roles you've been in sales roles how did that prepare you to be the energizing coach in what ways
1: hmm that's a good question mike um you know I think in my in my time in advertising you know I worked in client services and so naturally the the account manager not only has to be you know the energetic tie to the client like keeping the energy up for them but i have to be i had to be the one to keep the energy up with the team too because for all of you that work in advertising or have worked in advertising or work in sales like you know all the the fluctuating things and and I had to be the constant to mm. keep everyone moving forward uh, and keep everyone motivated to move forward. So I really used that power in, in that moment, um, for sure. And I mean, in my HR days, that's, that's to keep the leadership team going. That's to keep the executive team going. And that's you know, keeping the employees motivated with, with what the mission, vision, and values were all about.
0: I don't want to go too far down this as a tangent but something about hr is you're somewhat positioned between the key leadership and the employees Mm
1: -hmm. you
0: you want the employees to view you as an employee advocate but also if all you do is advocate for the employees and if it comes potentially at the expense of what's in the best interest of the company then you have to kind of straddle that back and forth does that make sense what I'm trying to say?
1: It does. And it's actually one of the reasons why I left HR mm. <laughs> was because I wanted some, I, I felt such tension that I that I had to straddle that. I had such tension that I couldn't focus on the individual. I couldn't see the employee as an individual. I had to see the person through the lens of the organization as an employee. And what motivated me and one of the drivers in me leaving that field and doing what I'm doing now is because now I'm truly, as a coach, I'm, I'm there on behalf of the individual and the individual as a whole. They are the company. They are the brand. They are the employee. They're everything. And when I was working in HR, there was a lot of tension with my personal values related specifically to the question that you asked.
0: I appreciate you sharing that. As you probably know, um, a number of our listeners come out of HR. I have nothing but the highest degree of respect. That is a very, very difficult profession to to claim, um, yeah. because you're you're constantly kind of in that that middle thing. Um, what we talked about before we decided to record this is of all the things that Julie could talk about what might be something that our listeners might find most beneficial that you can show your enthusiasm for and we kind of came around to the topic of mental muscle and Mm -hmm. defining what it is and if you've got mental muscle how do you grow it so I would like to kind of use that as the main topic for our conversation how to grow mental muscle and if that is our topic what does that mean to you
1: yeah i mean that so in in 2020 aside from the pandemic there were a lot of unexpected life events that happened for me which okay. which um which made me leave my job rather abruptly in june of 2020 and this has a this has a point to muscle, mental muscle i promise so When I left in June of 2020, rather abruptly, and I took that moment of pause, it was during that moment of pause that I actually found a mental fitness program Hmm. that was coming at such a perfect time in my life. Because at that point, my brain was my enemy. It was not my friend. Hmm. And the whole purpose of mental fitness is utilizing your brain as your friend versus your enemy. And... This program that I found, which is a program that I take my clients through as well, has really, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm essentially exercising my brain every day, weakening the negative side of the brain and creating new neural pathways that activate the positive side of my brain. And there's a number of ways that we can do it. There's actually three core muscles at the root of mental fitness that we can certainly talk about. But and, and here, of course, I forgot the question that you asked me, Mike, but that's how I, I really found my passion and excitement about mental fitness was it was it kind of came to me at the at the right time and place, given my life circumstance.
0: Well, that being said, it came at the right time. It resonated with you. It resonated to the point that, that it's a core part of how you work with clients. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit, because yeah. you described a muscle your brain having a muscle. Yeah. Um, it, you're exercising certain muscles and letting other muscles atrophy?
1: So according to the research, which this is all based on the New York Times bestselling book, Positive Intelligence by Shirzad shamin who is a researcher, professor out of Stanford. He, um, he used to be the CEO of Coactive Training, CTI, which is a world-renowned coaching certification program. So he's very well qualified uh, to be doing the work that he's doing. And so according to the research, there's three core muscles at the root of mental fitness. There's your saboteur interceptor, your self-command muscle, and your sage. And you work each muscle out in different ways. So the Hmm. saboteur interceptor is essentially, you work it out by exposing your inner judge or your inner critic, you might know it as, or maybe you know it as your inner gremlin. So you expose that judge and see it more as a third person. So, so in the research, it calls the judge and actually these nine accomplices that the judge has, which the, the research calls it um, saboteurs. When you, see, when you see your judge and saboteurs as third parties, they instantly are disassociated with your true self your true self would never feed you the lies that your judge feeds you like you're not good enough you're not smart enough or what your accomplice saboteurs which uh, the research says you know labeling saboteurs like the pleaser the mm. avoider the hyper rational so there's nine total and everyone has one or two so when you expose those lies and start seeing them it's almost like you've turned the light on at the haunted house yes the second you start seeing those ghouls and you know ghosts that are popping out in front of you, the second you can see them, well, they're not as scary. And so the second you can expose that, it instantly weakens it. So that's one muscle that we work out. The second muscle is the self-command muscle, which is essentially weightlifting for your brain Hmm. and weightlifting through these specific sensory exercises. So if you're comfortable in trying this with me, what I mean by a specific sensory exercise is rub two fingertips together But do it with such attention that you can feel the ridges on both of your fingertips.
0: As you know, we're videoing this. I've closed my eyes, and sure (laughs) enough, I can all right, I now can feel the ridges. You're
1: feeling that, right? So what this does is it actually what the these specific type of sensory exercises, they get you out of your head out of your head where you're and all those saboteurs are, are feeding you all of that negative talk, all of those lies, it gets you out of there and it gets you into your body hmm. because when we can focus on that and quiet the mind, even for as little as 10 seconds, MRI da- data actually shows that the positive side of your brain starts lighting up. Hmm. And so When you come out of something like that, and yes, it is a form of meditation, but you certainly don't have to be in a meditative mindset to do this. I actually um, I coach with a meditation rock and I'm rubbing it constantly when I'm with my clients so that I'm continuing to activate the positive side of my brain and keep myself very focused so that I am able to respond how I want to respond versus reacting on impulse or reacting on the messages from my judge or my accomplice saboteurs, which mine are pleaser and avoider. Right here, I'll just admit it right here. (laughs) And the third muscle is the sage muscle, which the research calls the positive side of the brain. And you work this muscle out by seeing the gifts and opportunities in any outcome or circumstance. And what it's not saying is, make every negative situation positive like we're not trying to be pollyanna and just split something on its head my mom passed away very abruptly in march of 2020 and i will never say that that bad experience was a good thing mm. however i've been able to find meaning and i've been able to see gifts and opportunities that came about because of that situation or because that happened to me. Same thing with the pandemic, right? Like I wouldn't wish a pandemic on us ever again, but it happened. And so many of us are talking about the gifts and opportunities that that came from that. You and I wouldn't be talking right now had it not been for the pandemic. So it's not about flipping things on its head and seeing, you know, oh, this truly was a good thing. It's just about finding meaning and opportunities from the things that happen in our lives.
0: Yeah. I love. The mnemonic of the rock Um, right Mm -hmm. off, I I actually have something that would might do the same thing that helps you stay focused on what your role um, as a coach um, may be. You know, I introduced you uh, with impressive professional background. Um, I know you work with all types of clients, but if you have a a niche, um, female leaders and Mm -hmm. not just female leaders, female leaders who do not have children is how I introduced you. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share a little bit about that? That, that is a, a niche that I've not seen before, but it's clearly needed. What is it about female leaders who don't have children that would probably say, you know, Julie might could be of help to me. What is it they're experiencing that you could help them with?
1: Yeah, so the way I describe it is consciously child-free. So mm. I have been consciously child free. Let's see here. I'm 40 years old. I made that conscious decision at probably 25. Mm. Um so when we'll just do a side tangent. When I would when I finally determined that I wasn't going to have children, I would go out on dates with these um with these guys and I would pretty much introduce myself and say if you're looking for the mother of your children, I'm not it. And that always created some some fun, some fun conversation. Imagine <laughs> but, yeah yeah so what i found in my experience so of course you you coach the people who essentially you are right because you've gone through these experiences before Mm -hmm. and i found while this is absolutely a growing segment in the corporate world it's still very much overlooked Mm -hmm. there's so many resources out there for working parents working moms and absolutely there should be i'm i'm not saying take those away, but there aren't any resources for consciously child-free men or women. And I find that with me specifically, I had a really hard time setting boundaries. Hmm. And I was constantly feeling like I was comparing myself to the priorities that other people had in their life and almost putting a weight against my own. So when, when I would have plans dinner plans with a friend at six o'clock and needed to leave work right at five, and a boss would say, hey, I need you to stay late because I have to go pick up my kid, well, I would automatically put more weight on that versus my own plans that I had had set for months. And so it would, I had a very, very hard time setting boundaries. So I do a lot of boundary work with, um, with my clients. And also the values and the purpose that we have in life. Society naturally tells us that our values and purpose, you know, a lot of times when people are putting a purpose statement together, a North star statement or a why statement, whatever it may be, a lot of times you're prompted. Think about how you want to leave your children. Think about the day your children are born. What do you want to leave for them in the world? And so when you don't have that, Hmm. I help my clients connect to their purpose in a different way. You know, w- what legacy do you want to leave for the sake of you hmm. versus the sake of someone else? And don't get me wrong. I, 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 my, my, my why is all about the sake for my nieces and nephews. My, my why is all about the, the sake of other people, but it's just another way to start thinking about your purpose in life outside of what societal norms are.
0: What I love about what you've described here is you're speaking from First-hand experience in your corporate role and what you have found and the challenge of having boundaries and you've kind of put out to, to my understanding is that choosing not to have children shouldn't be something that people might would use in a negative way or take advantage of and, and I, I kind of sense that what might be implied is I have to leave to go take care of my children. You don't have children, therefore you can stay. You didn't mm-hmm. say that, but is but is that kind of the the almost the the sense of the of the message that you might would hear in that situation?
1: Yeah. And uh. there's this unintended expectation that if you don't have children, well then your career is your baby. Mm. And I I would say that's more my descriptor now, now that I'm a coach and and that this is this is the career that I truly know deep in my gut and in my heart that I'm pulled to do, I would absolutely say that this career is my baby and that I see my, you know, my clients, not as my children, I wouldn't say that, but like I, I can see a connection to them in a, a way that was so much different than my, you know, than than the people, my colleagues that I worked with. But before, before I found this, my career was my means to do the things that I was passionate about to travel to go out to dinner to be with friends to you know when they when my friends would call and say let's go to vegas this weekend okay you know there were other things that were important to me and and my job gave me a means to do that my job did not fulfill me in a way that people assumed because i didn't have children because if i didn't have children clearly i had to be fulfilled by my career that was it was an either or thing there weren't other things in life so there,
0: there was some of that as well. You know Julie, you shared kind of an abrupt transition professionally. You shared mm-hmm. the the sudden loss of your mother. Um, it may be you've already answered this question, but I try to ask each of our guests to reflect on a situation where either you or a client got stuck. Mm-hmm. And what did it take to get unstuck? Which yeah. approach would you like to take to answer that one?
1: You know, before we talked, Mike, I was I was trying to think of if I would share a personal or, or a client perspective. And since we we've, we've talked about mental muscle, and since I did bring up the passing of my mom, I think I'll I'll talk about a personal one. So, when I when I started the mental fitness boot camp, um, the muscle that I worked the hardest was the self-command muscle. So if you remember, Mm. it was doing those specific sensory exercises. I was very stuck in grief. I was Mm. very stuck in grief. And the self-command, by practicing my self-command and and building that muscle, I was able to turn my grief from sadness to love. Mm. And I'll tell you how. When a memory of my mom would come up, FYI, everyone, Carol Nana, best woman on earth. I'm just going to give her a shout out. And my my best friend, my person in life. I just she is in my bones all day, every day. And so when a memory would come up about her, I would just get overtaken with sadness. Mm-hmm. And my victim saboteur was was front and center, and it was debilitating. Mm-hmm. And through this program, I was able to get very curious about where this grief was living in my body. And where it was living was right above my heart.
0: Interesting. And it was, it was
1: warm, and it was tight, and it would go up into my throat. So when these sad memories would come up, I would close my eyes and feel where that grief lived. And the more curious I got about the feeling the more relaxed my body became. Hmm. And the more my mindset shifted from sadness to remembering that these memories, these memories aren't sad. It's sad that I don't get to have any more of them. But what's not sad is the memories themselves. They're freaking awesome, happy memories. They've made me who I am today. And so that's when that's when it changed from sadness to an overwhelming sense of love and honor for my mom. And I was able to start seeing the gifts and opportunities that were coming about. And that's what drove me to get a coaching certification and do what I'm doing now.
0: Thank you for sharing that from the heart, Mm -hmm. but it describes you at your core. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes through loud and clear um, mm-hmm. and how how you would interact with your clients. Um, d- the topic of mental muscles, does that mm-hmm. come up pretty regularly with your coaching clients?
1: It does. It's part of my process. So yeah. the first three months of my six-month engagements are all about gaining clarity. So we focus on, I, I call it the... The, the who, what, and how, like, what are your goals? How are you showing up in the world, who you are and what's holding you back? And the what's holding you back section is the part where we talk about the mental muscle okay. because we start with talking about our judge and our saboteurs, those messages that hold us back. And then we develop tools to combat them constantly doing exercises every day so that we can start tapping into our true self, our inner knowing, our intuition, our gut, our heart, whatever you want to call it. And the second we can start tapping into that, then we know we're growing the mental muscle to truly make the transformation and move forward.
0: You know, the term mental muscle is a new term for me. You introduced it to me when we were talking prior to scheduling this podcast recording. Mm -hmm. Um, I liken it though, just to regular muscle fitness. If you don't exercise those muscles, they do atrophy, do they not?
1: You are absolutely right. Yeah. Go
0: ahead. I guess what I was going to ask is that as you work through that three-part framework with Mm -hmm. your clients, what do you find is oftentimes one of the biggest and the most common challenge that clients have to work even harder had.
1: And I'm laughing because I, I, my clients are like, I'm going to rub two fingertips together. And like, it, it seems too easy. It seems uh-huh. too simple, you know, and, and we start the program by practicing our self command. So the program has, it's a very robust program. It, it has an app. There's the, the book that I mentioned, there's daily exercises, there's weekly videos. I'm meeting with them on a weekly basis. And sure enough, that first week, when they're really, you know, doing these specific sensory exercises for two minutes, three times a day, they're like, I'm wiggling my toes and I'm trying (laughs) to find as many individual toes as I possibly can. This is a joke. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like when you go to the gym for the first time and your trainer's like, oh, you've never worked out before. We're going to give you two pound weights. And you're like, excuse me. And then when you lift the two pound weights, you know, you do about 25 reps or so. You're like, oh, dang, I'm feeling the burn a little bit. And the more you do it and the more you do it, well, then you graduate to the five pound weights and then the 10 pound weights. It's the small, consistent changes that make the biggest impact. So really, I just encourage them to trust the process and- and obviously, trust the process if they put the work in. If you don't put the work in, then you're not going to build the muscle. Um, but that's really the the biggest point of, I would say, frustration or challenge is just believing that if they do it, it's going to actually work. <laughs>
0: mm. I appreciate that. You know, we talked about you coming out of a business background, and mm-hmm. business people are mm-hmm. constantly dealing with ROI. There's a quote, and I think this is your motto, and, and that is, the ROI of a human being far outweighs the ROI of anything else in life. Yeah. Tell me, is that your motto or is that? uh, That
1: is, that is, that's actually when, so I first started working with a coach about 12 years ago when the coaching industry was not, in industry really, or at least not what it was today. And it was my time working with her. Shout out to Wendy Billy, if you're out there. Um, I worked with her on and off for two years. And it was when I, I had this aha moment working in the advertising field. So the original motto was the ROI of a human being outweighs the ROI of a marketing campaign. Cause I was working in advertising and I'm like, oh, this is why I'm feeling such tension in the work that I'm doing because I love the people but I don't care about the work.
0: Mm.
1: And at that point I knew I wasn't going to have children. And I'm like, man, if, if this, you know, I got to do something that fulfills me more. If I'm going to be doing this for 40 hours a week, every week until I'm, you know, insert 65 or whatever, I, I have to be doing something more fulfilling than what I'm doing now. So that's what led me into doing something more human centric, which was HR, which was 100% the right next step for me, just not the ultimate step for me.
0: It does sound as you have settled into something that really does tap into a number of your superpowers. Matter of fact, you've got another superpower, and that is to be able to explain kind of the complex in a way that even I tended to follow, and I'm confident are our listeners will be able to as well. So add that to your list of superpowers.
1: Excellent. Thank you.
0: (laughs) You know, Julia, as we reflect on, we've covered a number of things, but as you kind of reflect on our conversation, what might be some closing thoughts or takeaways you want to make sure that our listeners have?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I started to get into it a little bit when you were talking about me getting unstuck. And I said, Mm. I was able to tap into, you know, my heart, my inner knowing my intuition. I think what I want people to take away is I, I thought intuition was something that people had or didn't have. I didn't realize it was something we all could access. Hmm. And I had, I had put myself into the unfortunate genetic pool of I just don't have it. (laughs) And it wasn't until I took a moment to get out of my head Hmm. and into my body to really feel what my intuition has been guiding me to my entire life, I just, my ego and my head weren't willing to listen. Hmm. So I would just say out there, if you all believe you aren't an intuitive person, it's in you. I promise you absolutely can access it. And going through Programs like Building Mental Muscle is one way of doing it. It's not the only way, but certainly one way to start accessing it. And it's an amazing thing once you can tap into that, that inner knowing that that truly is, and I, I said pulling you, because I think a lot of times we're all like, push yourself to, to the fullest or, or, or push yourself into doing the things you have to do or should do or you're afraid to do. And just because I'm pulled to something doesn't mean that it's easy. Like I'm certainly pulled to challenging difficult things but it's in a way that I want to go. It's in a direction that I know, it's like I have a desired, it's like desired difficulty. Brene Brown calls it desired difficulty. And and I truly know that I want to put the risk in. And, and if I fail at it, I know I want to learn and, and try again. And that's all from my intuition that I just learned I could access like two years ago. <laughs> it's an amazing
0: thing. But, but now you're telling the world yeah. and You've got another platform I want to make sure people know about, and that is I've had opportunity to uh, look at some of your Walk My Talk videos on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, for those who have not had a chance to see one of these videos, tell us about what is it you're trying to do with Walk My Talk?
1: Yeah. And I will say, although you can still watch them, the walk, my talk has been recently retired. However, I will, I will talk, I will talk about it. Believe me, this is, this is part of my brand. So walk, my talk was my weekly video series where I would take a chance and spin what I called the wheel of opportunities. Mm. And I would do whatever I would land on either live, or I would take on a challenge throughout the course of the week. Mm. And I did that because as a coach, I'm constantly encouraging my clients to, you know, to, to, stretch their comfort zone and do things that they want to do, but feel like they don't have time to do, or maybe they're avoiding. And I wanted to show you that I'm doing all those things and walking my talk alongside my clients every single day. And this series has evolved for a couple of reasons. One, I was no longer pulled to do it. It felt like a push Mm. every week. It, the, the the final, I would say three or four, maybe a month and a half, maybe six or seven really felt like a push and yeah. so i wasn't i wasn't connecting to the why anymore and i actually had a really great coaching session on it was because the why of it was yes to show that i was you know walking the talk but it was also a form of entertainment you know i was right. spinning a wheel and and i i really wanted my personality to come out which i still absolutely do but my new video series which is yet to be named so if anyone's got a good name like let, let, let me know but it's essentially five minutes of coaching with me on a weekly basis where I just tackle a topic and and talk about my thoughts on that topic as a coach. And I'm asking powerful questions to viewers as well. And I'm answering those powerful questions too. So my, of course, you're putting me on the spot here. What was my latest topic on? Oh, it was actually about um, similar to mental, mental um, muscle. It was the quintessential, I'll be happy when syndrome. And I, I say it's it's related to mental muscle because the stronger our brains are, the the less we need to say, I'll be happy when we do something. Instead, we're, we're happy along the path. We, we choose to be happy every day. So feel free to check that out. It's on my LinkedIn page, Julie Bronstetter.
0: Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. So if folks want to reach out to you to yeah. connect, learn more about you, or get queued up for this new series, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: So two ways. I am very active on LinkedIn. I, I would say I, I'm posting three to four times a week on LinkedIn. So please connect with me. I would love I would love to connect. And then I also have a website. It's just jbronstettercoaching.com. Um, which I don't know. Do we have show notes, Mike? Can we put that? We do show have notes? show notes, but why don't Excellent. you go ahead and
0: if people are listening and they go, ah, oh, I can commit Bronstedter <laughs> to memory. Do you want to spell that for everybody?
1: Yes. It's J-B-R-O-N-S-T-E-A-T-T-E-R coaching.com.
0: You do have a fantastic website. We will include links not only to your website, but also to your LinkedIn profile. Thank you. Um and anything else you want to include in the show notes we'll be happy to to do so. Julie, it was through LinkedIn you and I originally crossed paths. And there yeah. is just the there is an energy about you that I picked up um on that and I'm somewhat selective on how many coaches I invite on. Um and you clearly were the kind of person who I thought would resonate with our listening audience and sure enough you've done just that oh, I want to I want to thank you for being you I want to thank you for your willingness to share from deep places um, and to give people a little bit of a an insight of who you are how you got there the fact that you're continue learning and growing and how you help your clients do the same thank you for sharing your time and your insights today
1: Thank you for having me, Mike.
0: This was so much fun. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We upload the latest episode to all the major platforms weekly. So if you haven't already, please subscribe. Is your company growing quickly? Are you worried that you don't have the right people and processes in place to handle the increased workload? If yes, let's talk head to our website bench-builders.com to schedule a quick call. We'll explore ways to help you solve those nagging problems so you can scale faster and smarter. So I wanna thank you for joining us. And I hope you've picked up some tips from Julie that'll help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.